Hello, my friends, and welcome to this week's episode of Vital Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road over in New Jersey, the sweet corn farmer that had a whole bunch of water laying in his field. Hey, what are you going to do? But uh, hopefully the sound of my voice has everything going well for you. And God willing, if you are in agriculture, that you're getting exactly what you need. And I know it's just horrific, horrific out west of the drought and the heat. They're terrible. I, I heard today that I think over 2,000 head of cattle, and I believe they were in a feedlot. I may be wrong about that, and I think it was in Nebraska or Kansas died from the heat. Terrible. It's uh, so so heart-wrenching. I mean, it's a terrible, terrible death for the poor animal, just like it, just like in the, freezing to death in the winter. It's just a terrible death. So... Uh, and what a, so not only is it a terrible death and for the poor animal and such a financial loss also for those for those farmers those ranchers so which is terrible times rough times out there but we have to have our faith in the lord that he will uh, get us through it and uh, in his way and in his time and as the life becomes more challenging the thing is that your faith grows stronger sadly i wish it would the other way right i wish our faith would grow stronger when things are good but the, it really doesn't work work that way so i'm not laughing it's just a shame that it is the way it is but i have nine plantings in so i'm all done so uh, thank god i'm all done with the corn and uh nine different plantings in there all over the map as far as the way they look and yeah i just i i wish that i could plant everything at one time or, or two plantings one whole field another whole field i wish it was a processor here or somebody that i could sell my sweet corn to but this fresh market sweet corn is a rough deal let me tell you and every year it's the same thing and you if you're putting the planter on and off the tractor nine times you have nine different weather conditions so uh number planting number two looks so much better than planting number one planting number three was partially underwater uh, i think i told you last week that they were i it wasn't deep underwater but if the plant's only two or three inches tall and it's under an inch and a half of water and the problem was is that it's been it was been it's been chilly here it's been cool we had the other day was beautiful it was like 88 degrees 85 degrees excuse me but it's been we've had 50 degree mornings and 68 degrees and and overcast and and not really sunny and uh if it were normal weather that water in the field would have would have dissipated within a day or two instead of five or six days and i did some research to find out what the university numbers are for denitrification which is the loss of nitrogen for those who aren't in agriculture my expensive nitrogen not just my expensive nitrogen everybody's expensive nitrogen my fertility program went up about 130 percent in price from last year so and what denitrification is is that it's the uh, the dissipation of the nitrogen from being the soil being too wet and and too cold the only good thing about it being chilly is that the according to university data i think it was university of nebraska that the denitrification rate is two percent a day you lose of your nitrogen if it's around 65 degrees fahrenheit or below and they say if it's warmer than that it's five percent a day so i don't know we were about six or five, not quite a week under underwater but then even after that the uh 
soil was so saturated. So um, who knows what we lost. I guess I should probably do a, once it dries out a little bit more, do a pre-dress uh, uh, nitrogen test to determine what's going on there. I really don't have the ability to go back in there and put any end down. So we do foliar feed with backpack sprayers and there are some products that you could put you could put some N in foliar and that hurt the plants. So we'll have to see what happens. But the nine plantings, like I said, the, the fourth planting looks beautiful. The first planting saw cold and really wet. The second planting looks better than the first planting. Part of the third plant thing looks gorgeous and then where the dip was in the field and the water was running and standing that looks like crap pardon my language and uh and then the the that's the third uh, that's the second at uh, the third planting here so who knows what it is it is what it is and then plantings five through nine are slow to emerge because it has been cool and there's a lot of cover crop trash we use the word trash meaning that the, the leftover cover crop that was mowed down and killed off so it's on the field almost like a mulch so it's slow to emerge because that's keeping the soil cool and damp all right so uh damp is good if we have a drought but cool and then once the plant does emerge, the, the level of photosynthesis is not that great because it's being shadowed from all the cover crop debris, trash. As we would say, the vernacular is the trash in the field. It's not soda cans. It's my triticale and crimson clover and some tillage radish. But that really didn't went over winter. So it's cr crimson clover and triticale. You know, it's like anything in life. I mean, there's always a positive and a negative, right? There's always a flip side. So I love the idea of the of of agronomically what my cover crop does. I love the idea of having the biomass on the soil to protect the soil from from being shot peened with real heavy rains and from runoff. I love the idea of its mulching effect to help with weed control. And uh, but the flip side of it is that there are times where it is a, it keeps the ground cold, especially over here where I am in Warren County. There's a lot of rock underneath us. And if I was five miles away, the ground temperature is probably eight to 10 degrees warmer at the same time of year, maybe not eight, seven or eight degrees. So and when you're dealing with something like sweet corn, that's a, that's a finicky mistress. She doesn't like to, um, she doesn't like cold soil or damp soil. It's like wants enough moisture to get going like Goldilocks, but not too much. So, but it is, but this is the farm we have. This is the farm the good Lord gave us then we have to farm it so uh, nothing else we could do i would as an aside that i would love one day to go i don't know three or four or five miles away from here and uh, get into some better ground and just maybe put it you know, only an acre like rent an acre from somebody and then go and do this do you know soil test that and and bring the soil up to the same level that my ground is and plant that at the same time in a in a different condition and when i'm saying better soil not that i was as bad but maybe a higher organic matter or warmer soil temperature lower altitude than we are not so much rock underneath it keeping it cold and uh and see you know what the results are doing like an a b test okay i planted i planted the same hybrid this the the same fertility program obviously the fertility program has to be based upon what the soil needs but um and you know so get everything to square one and plant this plant it the same day and then see what happens i think that'd be <clears throat> that would be a very interesting 
<clears throat> very interesting test as far as I am concerned. But um, who knows? Maybe God, God willing, <clears throat> excuse me, one day that will happen. All righty, we have, I want to, <clears throat> let me clear, clear my throat here for crying out to his. So uh, hold on for one second. I'll put the drags down. Thank God for that dragster, right? <clears throat> Terrible. But I, <clears throat> excuse me, the dragster didn't do it this time. Let me get a drink of water. <clears throat> thank you for you guys putting up with me with this throat of mine. But I want to thank Mr. Tim, and I'm hopefully pronouncing your name right. I'm going to pronounce it Koch. So Mr. Tim Koch from Sterling, Virginia. And he reached out to me and gave me a pin in my map. Now, the reason why I'm saying I'm hoping I'm pronouncing it right, because I, there's a fertility company, an agricultural company, and their name is spelt the same way, K-O-C-H, but, but they pronounce it Coke, like Coca-Cola, Coke. So, Mr. Um, so Tim, let's call you Tim, Mr. Tim from Sterling, Virginia. And he came to me, well, well metaphorically came to me to the podcast, as um, through Hemmings Muscle Machines, who I write for. So he's a longtime reader of Hemmings Muscle Machines, and I believe in his note to me that he has an older Chevy or GMC pickup truck with a 250 cubic inch six cylinder that he's either restoring. I did read his letter, but I mean, so I don't want to be disrespectful and think that I didn't read it. Uh, I, I, and he, I remember specifically that he told me in the note that it's an old college truck, so it spent 30 years just loafing around college campus, and he's doing some work on that. And uh, But I want to thank him so much for coming over from Hemmings Muscle Machines. He's not a hot rod farmer, but he is a hot rod farmer now. And just because he did that, he won a license plate immediately. So I sent him a hot rod farmer license plate, even though he was outside of the contest. If that makes sense, all right. So uh, no disrespect to anyone else, but so thank you for coming on board, Miss Tim, Mister Tim. But we do have two legitimate winners, and um, and they are Mister Rick Rogel from Sarasota, Florida, and Mister John Arts from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. And Mr. Arts lives up in a gorgeous, gorgeous place in, in British Columbia. And he's a longtime listener of the show. And I'm so glad that I eventually pulled his name out of the box to win a Hot Rod Farmer license plate. So gentlemen, Mr. Rogel and Mr. Arts, please reach out to me at Hot Rod Farmer at Farm Machinery digest.com and let me know your mailing address and i will get those license plates out to you or if it's easier if you just go to the website and then click on the uh, the tab for the license plate entry and you can get your address and everything there and this will be i could keep that on file so usually with the emails i end up erasing them or something i had 500 something emails that i had to get rid of so uh, they kind of build up, but I'm glad that they do because it means uh, I'm interacting with my listeners and I and I greatly, greatly appreciate that. So let me see what else would I have over here. That's basically it as far as housekeeping is concerned. Well, it should be 12 minutes into the show. But on today's show, what I'm gonna what I'm going to talk about is electric vehicles. 
And I may have touched on this. I'm not talking about a hybrid like the Maverick I had a couple of weeks ago. I'm talking about pure EVs, electric vehicles. And I'm not a conspiracist, and but to me, my gut tells me there's something funny going on. And I don't know what it is. I have some thoughts about what it is, but this is not the show for me to to uh, share those thoughts with you because they're only thoughts. They have no technical basis whatsoever. So they're just an opinion. But there's something funny going on because it's amazing how quickly uh, over the past year and a half, I'd say, that the auto industry themselves that makes engines and makes cars and makes trucks and the federal government under the new occupant uh, has embraced or, or I, mean, I guess the best way for me to say it is actually fell out of love with the internal combustion engine and that means gasoline or diesel and they're embracing these electric vehicles i mean as much as they it's crazy because they fell so much out of love with the internal combustion engine and fell head over heels in love with electric vehicles with evs and I don't understand. And to me, I'm suspicious of that. But that, but I'm here to talk about the technical aspect of electrical electric vehicles and why I think that we're going down the wrong path. And uh, you may choose to disagree with me, as always, and just send me your thoughts. And maybe some of you have EVs and are driving an EV and think it's fantastic. So what I'm going to do is, as an engineer, you look at things, you take emotion out of things. And you have to take emotion out of things, and you have to uh, look at it from a technical aspect. You can't look at it with any of your personal feelings. So that is what I am going to do today. So now, you know, I'm going to make an agrarian, agrarian analogy. So let's say you have somebody... And they say, all right, fine. And I'm going to use a 1,000 acres, so it's something of magnitude, not 100 acres or something. So a 1,000 acres. So you get this guy, and he says, well, you know, I, I bought, I, I, I planted a 1,000 acres of corn. You want to see my new combine? So yeah, I'd like to see a new combine. And this obviously is a fic- fictional uh, analogy I'm making. Once he's seen, yeah, let me see a new combine. Well, that's a beautiful combine, but I thought you put a thousand acres of corn in. He said, I did it. I said, then why do you have a grain head on there? Oh, that's a grain head? I thought I could harvest corn with that. You can't harvest corn with that. You got to harvest small grains or soybeans or something with that. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Now you say to him, well, what? then the person says to you, well, what do you think I should do? Well, what you could do is that you have the wrong head. You could buy another header, header for it, but you're not going to get a header in time. Your corn's already starting to dry down. So maybe you could hire a custom cutter. Well, what's a custom cutter, a custom harvester? I said, those are people who go around and they you pay them per acre and they harvest your crop. You, oh, that's what I'll do. I'll hire a custom cutter. Okay, fine. So now here comes the custom cutter down the road. And I'm compressing this story to make to hopefully as a segue into electric vehicles. And I say, well, that's great, boy. That's a nice. That, that's, that's, you got that custom cutter, yeah. He's got some nice equipment over there. So let me ask you: 
how are you going to get the how 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 is he how are you going to get the the corn out of the field once he gets it into the combine hoppers? Oh, you got to get it out of the field. Oh yeah, well what are you going to do with it? You can't leave it in the combine. You got more corn here than the hopper is going to hold, right? You got good yield. The hopper's only going to maybe hold an acre or two of corn, and you got a thousand acres. Well, what do I need to do? Well, you need to have some trucks, or you need to have some grain trailers or something to get it out of the field. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll get some trucks and some grain trailers. Then I then I say to them, oh, that's okay. You got some nice grain trucks there. Where are you going to store the corn? Oh, you got to store the corn? Well, yeah, you got to store it. You don't have any on-farm storage. Or you could bring it to an elevator. Okay, I'll bring it to an elevator. Well, but you farm in new jersey there are no elevators here so i'm not going to continue this for five minutes but you get the idea and that's almost a story that i feel is being applied to this mass push for electrification and if you're not really aware of it all of the car companies ford motor company is actually breaking themselves into almost two divisions i think they're calling it ford blue and i don't know what the other one's called ford ev or something like that and you're looking at every car company around the world is making this mad rush to electrification but they're like the guy who planted a thousand in my estimation like the person who planted a thousand acres of corn came home with a brand new combine with a bean head on it spent six hundred thousand dollars and then has no idea what he's going to do with his crop how he's going to get out of the field how he's going to market it and in essence that's what i see and that's what makes me very suspicious because all of these companies are are gravitating towards this and they're so anxious to kick the internal combustion engine in its metaphorical rear end and kick it out the door and then try to to force electric vehicles down our throat so these are my thoughts on why this is a bad decision and a bad move and they're eclectic they're all over the map because some of them are technical and some of them are practical so the thing basically is that the first thing that comes to mind and if this comes to everyone's mind is where is the power going to come from to supply to charge all of these electric vehicles now keep in mind that a battery is it's the we call it a battery i don't care if it's a battery for a flashlight or a battery under the hood of your car or your truck or what have you combine is that it its proper name we call it battery but its proper name is called a storage battery and i remember years ago going up to general motor school and they said that's a storage battery because it, it doesn't make electricity it stores electricity somebody else has someplace something else has to make it and put it in there just like a bottle a bottle uh, a container doesn't make the milk the cow makes the milk and the milk is put into the bottle for shipping and for storage so the bottle doesn't make milk so a battery only stores electricity and never lose sight of that and it's actually like i said its name is called a storage battery so now where is all of this additional electricity going to come from that we need for these electric cars we know for a fact that the power grid itself and the power supply the the power generation is limited in this country sadly 
all right uh they shut down a lot of the coal power plants is there's all different dynamics are going on i can't remember and maybe oh i cannot remember when a new power plant was built i'm not saying that there was one built there wasn't one built in my neck of the woods recently and i don't know if other parts of the country and forever we're seeing these uh we're talking about the grid being stressed the power grid being stressed and then to add insult to injury is that as we said in the beginning of the show today that there is an extreme drought and long-term drought out west and out west there's a lot of hydroelectric power and i know lake mead and lake powell are almost dry maybe not quite almost dry but there's another problem coming up because that if if those power plants go down i remember for a number of years back i wasn't too many years ago i was over in uh glendo dam in wyoming which is just over from scotts bluff nebraska a little well, maybe 50 60 miles into wyoming beautiful beautiful area and the i forgot what the water supply was but it was so low that they had to turn well they couldn't turn run the turbines so now from what i understand with the power grid is that they don't just say okay hey california nevada washington state forget about it shut everything off all right they don't do that that they that that now that load for those areas that goes um gets supplied by other power plants throughout the country and they and they metaphorically ship the power in through the power lines so when those hydroelectric plants which are either shutting down right now or on the verge of shutting down are going to go offline then that dense population out west which they built houses and cities and everything where the good lord in my estimation did not intend for you to build all right but whatever they're there right now and all those people is that that's gonna that is going to stress the rest of the country because we now have to supply it for them because of the hydroelectric plants the water the water level is so low the plant can't run so where is all of this electricity going to come from and no one that is telling me that's that's touting this supposedly green energy right green energy is is telling us where there's no answer for what is no discussion of where the electric electricity is going to come from so my thing is that we're getting rid of it we want to get rid of internal combustion engines we've shut down so much of the energy the petroleum-based energy production or natural gas production in this country all right and now we're running out of electricity we're running out and but but we're going this is to me it almost seems like you know the titanic is sinking and we're dancing and we're drinking and we think it's wonderful and you get these people and, and no disrespect all right i don't know the you these greenies whatever think it's the most wonderful thing in the world but where is their power coming from that it chart that's charging their electric car and so you know when you make a business plan like anything you're gonna farm you have a any type of business you can make a business plan you have to 
put down the stair steps and make write it down and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. All right, somebody says, I want to be a doctor. Okay, I want to be a doctor. All right, so I have to go to school and graduate, go to high school, graduate. I have to go to college. I have to take pre-med. I have to graduate. I have to apply to medical schools. I have to get accepted to a medical school. I have to pass. <laughs> I have to pass, and I have to get, do an internship. Then I have to pass the, the whatever, not the bar exam, the lawyers, whatever they call it for your licensing. Then I have to, then I have to pass my licensing test, and now I can be a doctor and I can see patients. All right, we're not, we're not doing that. We say let's make a whole bunch of EVs. EVs, let's shut everything the heck down. Let's make a whole bunch of EVs and 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 uh, we're not going to worry about where the electricity is going to come from. So that's my that's my first thing. My second thing is that so many people now my audience is obviously predominantly rural, and uh, and uh, and some people live in a city closer to a city or a suburb or some division subdivision but it's 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 predominantly rural and if you talk to people their knee-jerk reaction say oh those electric cars are good in the city all right so in theory they're good in the city for the simple reason being is that the people don't travel far they don't travel long distance the range the range is in the electric vehicles are not there all right so maybe a couple hundred miles at most all right and if somebody says they go two miles one mile three miles or something like a school bus or a postal uh postal vehicle that goes on a route or a taxi cab or maybe that maybe that is a good application for it versus somebody who lives in western nebraska and has to go 60 miles one way to to go to the store to buy groceries they live on a ranch in western nebraska out there by hay springs well we could go right into there's a town right there but you know what i'm saying but let me bring something else up to you the thing is that yes so in theory the electric vehicle is very good or fits better for the city but in some ways to tell you the truth it fits better in the ranch out in western nebraska because it does because he has a place to charge it now if you go to any urban area i don't care where it is in the country that there's that there's high density housing so their apartments their townhouses their condominiums you go into a major city an older city like new york city manhattan los angeles chicago you go downtown all right these people all right may have cars but they park them on the street let's not even talk about the street so i know that there's so many high density townhouses sadly they're building some down the road from me three or four miles away broke my heart all right but these people have no garages they have no driveways that they have a common parking lot so now that person wants to buy an electric vehicle where are they going to charge it you can't go to a paid charging station every day and leave the car there for five or six hours 15 miles away so where are they going to charge these cars and the thing so forgetting about where the electricity is coming from that's coming from voodoo we're past that all right but the fact is that with these high population densities and this high density housing that there's a good portion of the people who want to embrace this technology but have no place to to put a charger in their in their house because they, their car is parked their car is parked in the street so the thing is that um and then let's say everybody does have a house and a driveway all right so 
I, God knows how many houses there are. So what are they expecting? And obviously, everybody's not going to convert to EV overnight. So what are they expecting every house to have a charger in it? Well, I guess if you bought an electric car, if I bought an electric car, which I would never buy, but if you bought an electric car, you'd have to invest in a charger, right? Uh, a wall-mounted charger, 240-volt charger, so that you could charge your car every night. Not the end of the world, but then again, we have to, we can't even get enough chips and enough things. We, we can't even get enough cat food to put on the shelf in new jersey here and you're going to worry about making everybody electric charger but they'll probably say oh don't worry about it we'll make those in china and we'll give them all that we give all the business to china and all the americans will be out of work but we could charge our electric cars so so what it says to have electric have a have a charger in every house and keep in mind that i probably in most parts of the country you're listening audience I know here in New Jersey, if I wanted to put a charger in my garage, it's not like I'm plugging an AC system into a into a 240-volt socket that's on the wall or a welder, is that you need to get a permit. Well, in New Jersey, you need to, you need to apply to the township. You need to get a permit. You need to have a licensed electrician do it. You can't plug it into a wall socket, all right? And then you need to get it inspected afterwards. I need to notify in New Jersey. I need to notify my insurance company i don't know how that's going to affect it maybe other parts of the country you don't have to it notify the insurance company saying now have an ev parked in the garage because there has been instances where these darn things have caught fire so there's a lot of strings attached plus the average from from what i have learned what i have learned anecdotally and then talking to people who have evs and then also doing a little bit of internet research whatever that's worth <clears throat> that by the time you get done you probably have between 1500 <clears throat> and two thousand dollars <clears throat> excuse me into the into the installation of the electric charger <clears throat> so let me get a drink here <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> excuse me so <clears throat> so you have two thousand dollars into that say a thousand dollars whatever it is now i from what i also understand is that there's not a common plug but they do sell different plugs and you could buy a kit and i did a little bit of research so if you have a tesla and you have a tesla and your wife has a ford or whatever like that that there's not a commonality in a plug but when you go to the gas station right i could take that same gas pump and i could stick it in a ford and i could stick it in a toyota tank and i could stick it in a chevy i could stick it in anything but all right so none of this is insurmountable but it's a but it's showing me that there's not thought being put into this that it's being driven and i don't even think it's being driven by an emotion i think it's being driven by an agenda which is more frightening to me than an emotion emotion i could deal with well hey you know you like ketchup you like ketchup on your scrambled eggs god bless you all right i don't like that but you know when it's an agenda then an agenda has some sort of underlying thing that we don't see right it's like a trojan horse all right so we do that all right so now we have to worry about the charging station so you could say well i could bring it to a charging station and pay to get a charge but i could fill up any one of and anybody that's listening to this, I don't care whether you have a big F-350 pickup truck or a, or a little Fiesta like mine or anything in between, that are, you, you're not going to spend more than five or six minutes at a gas pump or a diesel pump physically 
I mean, unless you had a semi-physically moving fluid into the tank, all right? So I pay cash, and New Jersey does not have self-serve, so it's not a a problem for me because I pay the cash. I always pay, I pay everything cash. I don't want any credit cards. I don't want anything. When I travel, it's a pain in the neck because you got to go into a truck stop or someplace where you're stopping, wait in line, say, oh, give me $80, $80 now into a Fiesta, right, on pump and then it takes seventy-two dollars, and they have to come back and get your change. So that takes time. But but if you pay, but the actual fluid transfer to fill up my car, or fill up a pickup truck, or fill up a, or anything, doesn't take more than a few minutes, five or six minutes. Well, you're not getting anywhere, even with a fast charging station, on an electric vehicle in five minutes. So if you're traveling and you're saying, okay, fine, I have to charge this, or you come home from work and you plug it into your into your $2,000 Alamucci New Jersey certified charging station, eight, nine hours if that battery is, is almost low. So you're going to plug it in tonight for tomorrow morning to go to work, all right? Whereas I could put gas in my car, and I could, even if I use, even if my car used a lot of fuel, liquid fuel, gas or diesel, in five or six minutes, I could replenish it. And even if I was in a hurry, I could go to the gas station and say, hey, give me 20 bucks a regular, 10 bucks, whatever. Today, it's only four gallons, right? Then get out, get the heck out and hit the road, all right? Yes, you could do that with an EV. You could put a partial charge in, but you're not getting... You're maybe getting, I wouldn't get to the end of my farm with a five-minute charge in an EV, all right? And we only have 100 acres, so it's not it's not that, that much. Now, the thing that comes to my mind is two other aspects of it is that, number one, what happens in an emergency situation? So you have an emergency situation. You got to take somebody to the hospital. You get a phone call. Uh, I remember, whatever, everybody's had those situations in life. Something happens in your family. Something happens at your house and the farm. You got to jump in the vehicle and you got to take somebody to the hospital. You got to, or you get a phone call. You need to go to see somebody in the hospital or something has happened, right? Or, hey, my wife went, she took the old car a couple of weeks ago to the mall and she locked the keys in it. <laughs> so, so I had to go get her. So, now, if I had an EV, I'd say, well, honey, I can't come and get you because the battery, my range, and they call that range anxiety, my range is is not far enough to go to Rockaway Mall to pick you up. So I don't know what you're going to have to do. I guess maybe you could have to stay there or you could take a cab for $300 home or something, or I don't know what you could do. Or maybe... Uh, Take an Uber, right? We don't have Uber because she doesn't have a smartphone. None of us have Uber. So it just shows you the ridiculousness of it. Even if my gas tank was on fumes, if I could get to, to the nearest gas station, all right, which I never keep my vehicle on fumes, I could set it again and say, give me five bucks. I got to go pick up my wife because she's locked her keys out of the car. Whereas with an EV and, you know, Charlotte locking the keys out of her car or in her car it, at the mall is not the end of the world. She's safe, she's secure. The only problem with that being she didn't lock her credit card out of the car so she could go do more shopping, all right? So, so. but the fact of the matter is is that now in an emergency situation, my, 
what do you do so you could say well you know you could keep the keep the car charged and yes i believe in a level of preparedness but let's say the dynamics happen where i came home from someplace and the battery was depleted or almost depleted and i'm in the house five minutes here in the farm and i get the phone call that i have to go i mean i had that happen years ago when just before charlotte and i got married her father was dying and i got back here to the farm and she called me up and says my dad's dying so i said i'll I'll turn around i'll come right back and that was 55 miles away all right so the thing is that there are certain dynamics that no matter how good your level of preparedness is that you could not that you could not satisfy the need because you can't put you can't go to the gas station and fill up that vehicle and that's really you know to me that would really be something that that i would be afraid of because i would feel very insecure that if i needed this vehicle for something that i cannot I, I may not be able to accomplish i may not be able to offer my help or assistance to someone all right so the thing is that that's very 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 important and the other thing imagine how you would feel if someone you loved an animal you loved and they lost their life because the damn ev was dead all right so you could say well a gas motor could break down yes it can break down but i'm not talking about breaking down i'm talking about the amount of fuel that has either in a battery or in a tank all right so it's not that it broke down yes you can't anticipate it breaking down anything could break down but you couldn't but if you but you if you have fuel in the tank be it the gas tank diesel tank or battery then you have other than it breaking down you're going to be able to get there so that is something that really 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 bothers me now the other thing is that what happens if the power grid goes down now we had two two hurricanes in there's plenty of places in the country have much worse tornadoes hurricanes floods all right i mean we're pretty we're pretty benign here in new jersey uh but we had hurricane sandy and we had well, I don't know, one before that where we lost power for five or six days all right i didn't have my backup generator then all right i do now but my backup generator and the thing is that so we lost power for five or six days so now as long as i had gas in my tank all right all right so on the so under the guise of keeping let's let's make it a fair comparison i always keep plenty of fuel in my vehicles always fill them up I'm not saying they're filled up right second the second but i don't run around on empty i always fill it up right when i buy gas and the thing is that so let's say you did this with your electric car so oh, we're going to charge it up and before the hurricane comes all right so you charge up so you have a certain amount of range but i could get in my little car my internal combustion engine and i could drive six or seven ten or twenty miles 20 miles away to a place that which i did i had to go to pennsylvania to bangor pennsylvania to get fuel because all of that warren county was without or i shouldn't say all of warren county was without electricity with hurricane sandy for five or six days or seven days and over the river in pennsylvania they were fine so i was able to drive to a gas station in pennsylvania it was 22 miles there and i was able to fill up my tank all right fill up my tank in five minutes three minutes whatever and have 500 miles of range so what am i supposed to do now with my electric car said well there's a charging station in pennsylvania 20 miles away and i have enough range to get there and then spend two hours on a charging station 
I mean, that, that, that's ridiculous because then you can have some other guy. I mean, people get, thank God we didn't see that here, but people get nasty when stuff like that happens. And you're charging your electric car, and this guy comes in with his electric car, and he thinks he's better than you because he got a more expensive electric car. You only have a Chevy Bolt, and he's got a $150,000 Tesla or something, so he thinks he's better than you, and he gets into a fight with you to, to, to get you to hell off the charging station. And don't think that's not going to happen. So I, So that's very, very, very frightening to me as far as that is concerned. All right, now, <clears throat> the next thing is that what happens if your in-house charging station fails? Now, it's advanced electronics. There's a lot of circuitry. When you have advanced electronics, there's always the potential. It's not a light bulb. There's a logic circuit in there. There's a lot of things going on. It's not just a simple plug, like you're plugging an extension cord and running a, running a, a drop light, all right? So what happens when this charging's and you get a power surge or something, or you don't even get a power surge. And you know, there's, and I've said this on this show before, there's all different levels of quality of electronics, and it has to do with the, the way it's made and also its drift, how much it drifts off course, and, and, and a whole bunch of things. Just like anything in life, there's different quality levels. So the thing is that, so now you have this charging station, when your charging station takes a dump, no, then I mean, no Hurricane Sandy, no anything, no tornadoes. The power grid is there. The charging station takes a dump. All right. So now you say, "Oh, my damn thing didn't charge." Right? And anybody who has a cell phone, anybody who has anything, has experience with something like that, where the charger itself goes kaput. All right. So now, so now, what do you have to do? Call an electrician and say fine they got to come here call a company get another charging station what have you <clears throat> that's a hundred percent fine all right not the end of the world but you have no car if that's your only car or if that's the car that you need the vehicle that you need all right because somebody else so it almost comes to it all you almost have to say to yourself that no matter how much you if you have if you apply any critical thinking, I was going to say something that wasn't nice, but if you can apply any critical thinking, you would be foolish, through my estimation, to have your only vehicle as an electric vehicle. So now you have to have a backup internal combustion vehicle. So in case something happens, one of the scenarios said, hey, don't worry, I got to get to the hospital. I could take the old Ford, right? So uh, the hell with the damn Tesla so you have to have so now so and then the same thing is so let's say you want to go on vacation and you know and you get these people on the internet and youtube oh i drove to california in my tesla and i did this on my ev whatever the hell it was i'm picking on tesla for no because they just seem to be associated more with electric vehicles because they don't make anything else but electric vehicles all right a, a friend of mine, Bob Yide, I mentioned him all the time on the show. He had a customer of his who drove to Florida from New Jersey. It took him two and a half weeks to get there. Because, not, excuse me, to, I mean 10 days to get there, the whole trip. So it took him 20 days back and forth to driving, not driving, sitting in charging stations and then trying to get charged, all right, Try, trying, to, trying to charge up the battery. So now you're almost forced to have an internal combustion vehicle as a backup, right, to your, your high-tech electric vehicle. So we need to have that going on, all right? 
Next thing that comes to my mind is that who is going to fix these electric cars? It's hard enough to get somebody to fix an internal combustion engine, gasoline or diesel. Who's going to fix these electric cars and how costly is it going to be to fix and where are you going to have to bring it to be fixed? So you're going to have to have a flatbed come, an internal combustion, diesel-powered flatbed to come pick up your Tesla because they're heavy, because those batteries are heavy. You're not putting it on a little dolly, all right? You're going to have to pick up, you're going to have to pick up your Tesla and bring it to some place to be fixed, all right? And and God knows what it's going to cost you or what's going to happen with that, all right? The next thing that comes to my mind is that what is the projected life cycle of these electric cars and what is the projected life cycle of the battery now you could do an internet search and they tell you oh it's also, there's supposed to be some guy in germany who has a tesla has 987,000 miles on it. who the hell knows i personally think it's a load of malarkey all right because they haven't been out that long and you know, there was a guy years ago and I really shouldn't say this, but there's a lot of phonies out there. Or there was a guy years ago that had a Volvo P1800, and the P1800 was like the only sports car Volvo ever made. It was a nice looking car. They had a P1800 sport wig, and he bought one back in '71. I think his name was—I don't know the guy from a hole in the wall. He may be dead. God rest his soul, Irv Gordon, Irv Goldberg, or something like that. And I think he claimed he was a school teacher from Long Island, New York. And he had this, and then they had him years ago, 20 years ago, and all the news, and Volvo gave him a new car. He had, I don't know, a million, two million miles or something on this Volvo, and uh, he's riding around all over the place. Well, if you do the simple math, and that's the engineer in me, because the numbers don't lie, all right? <laughs> I mean, they don't lie. Math is math. One and one is two. Two and two is four, all right? The numbers don't lie. If that Volvo had the mileage i'm not saying it didn't have a lot of mileage on it if that volvo had the mileage that he claimed this guy claimed it had on it all right then this guy would have to have done nothing for the past well that was probably 20 years ago so 20 or 25 years whatever it was but ride around all day long in that volvo and i don't mean ride just around the block I mean, go put, get it out on the highway and put mileage on it, all right, at high speeds. Why I'm saying high speeds, you need to cover a lot of ground to put that mileage on. So if you do the math, if you do the math, and uh, like I say, I can't believe that that Volvo had anywhere near the mileage. Did it have a lot of miles? I'm sure it did have a lot of miles on it. But like I said, you know, you get these people and they lie and they and i don't know i don't know what the heck they do but but they lie but it's just like you know when, as a young man when i was working for the oscilloscope manufacturer you know when you found and i said oh look, look at this guy this guy's got this this guy's got this and you're going around demonstrating a scope the guy's 20 years older than me i'm a 22 23 year young kid right and, and this guy's 40 years old 42 years old he's got a boat he's got this he's got that he's got a new corvette he's got this drop dead gorgeous wife and everything he said and they got dumpy gas dumpy little gas station here and two 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 bay gas station and uh, I don't know what that noise was. Two-bay gas station, and uh, and the guy couldn't even fix a bicycle. 
and, and he's, but then you find out six months later a year later that you go there to repo the scope because the guy went to jail and he was running numbers out the back of the, and you know that happened a lot because because <laughs> they went to jail because east of here is close to new york city and newark and there was uh, the sopranos all right let's just leave it at that i live out in the farm we don't have that here but but the thing is that you know and you find out well, what happened to joey well he's in jail he's in the big house because he was running numbers or running cocaine out the back of the shop and that's where the money came for everything it wasn't because he was fixing tuning up carburetors here so what have you but anyway so the same thing with this guy in germany 900 a million miles on a tesla may i'm not going to say that it can't i'm not saying that it's not possible it's not probable and i always look at the level of probabilities versus possibilities and that's really what this show is all about it's the it's the it's the probability of what will happen with electric car not the possibilities all right yeah the possibilities you could drive it a million miles all right now i did some research for whatever it's worth and supposedly the battery replacement cost on the average electric car is between twenty five hundred dollars and twenty thousand dollars currently now will that start to come down five or six years from now well who knows maybe but the thing is that if you buy your electric car your electric f-150 or or we'll get into this towards the end of the show here but anything electric and the battery it wants it so that they say if you do an internet search it says between zero and twenty thousand dollars well zero if it's under warranty so now you now from what i have been able to glean over the years not just today is that that the, the electric drivetrain is warranted for eight years or 100,000 miles. So if the battery goes bad in less than 100,000 miles, the electric motor or whatever goes bad, it's got eight-year, 100,000-mile warranty. So now you go and you say, so, well, I don't give a damn hot rod because I'm not going to keep it eight years. I'm not going to keep it 100,000 miles. Then you're golden as far as you're having your financial exposure is concerned but all the other things that i said about how you're going to take somebody to the hospital when the batteries all these other things that's not the warranty is not doing anything for you it's just insulating you from the twenty thousand dollar hit for the battery or five thousand dollar hit for the battery all right so what's going to um so what are these cars going to be worth when they get to be 90,000 miles on them and the guy's only got five or 10,000 miles left on the warranty. So whatever. And that's why a lot of these, a lot of these companies are only leasing these cars. They're not buying them. But like I said, even if you say, oh, I'm going to, it's a novelty. I'm going to have fun with it. I'm going to lease it, right? All the other things I said, you better still have an internal combustion engine vehicle in your driveway, your garage or your farm someplace because this ain't going to cut the mustard based upon the other thing, all right? So now, um, most but not all of these electric cars, and some of them run AC motor electric motors, and some of them run DC electric motors. The Ford F one fifty, the Lightning, which is probably going to be the the most interesting to my audience, versus a Tesla Model S or a or a Tesla Cybertruck, which looks like some like a kid drew. It looks like it's from the Jetsons. But anyway. The, or, or a rivian i don't know that i mean i haven't i've seen some rivians obviously i, I haven't driven one or whatever and uh, they may be right but to me that's like a, like a guy who wants to go mountain biking's truck you're not going to take that i saw somebody had a 
uh, some guy put a YouTube, he bought a Rivian, and he was bragging that he put 800 pounds Rivian pickup truck. He put, I put 800 pounds in the bed of it. Yeah, I put 2,000 pounds on my four-cylinder Ranger all the time. I put 18, 17, 1,800 pounds in a little Ford Maverick. So you got this big $120,000 Rivian, and you're bragging about putting 800 pounds in a bed. No, it took the 800 pounds. If my little, my little Ranger only took 800 pounds, I would have got rid of it years ago. So anyway, but some of these EVs have AC motors, and some have DC electric motors. And... So like some Teslas, the better Teslas, better, faster, more expensive ones have AC motors. The cheaper ones have DC motors. And if anybody's interested in locomotives, even the casual interest like I have, I'm interested in anything that's mechanical. I mean, I'm passionate about it. I'm not going to be able to say, well, that's an EMD unless I saw it on it or this is this or that's a, a GE. I mean, I'm not going to be that intimate with it, but I, but I love anything that's mechanical. And I know that for, you know there were DC locomotives and there were AC locomotives and most of the locomotives from what reading trains magazine that's my that's my source for this all right are ac uh so most of the older ones with dc but then again you have some ac you have some dc powered electric vehicles the ford f-150 lightning is ac but now so you could say to me hey you want to debunk me right you want to give me a hard time because I'm the hot rod farmer from New Jersey. So you say, well, I don't give a damn if the power grid goes out because I have a backup generator. All right, so let's say you got a backup generator and you have a, not a portable, you got a standby generator and it runs off a diesel fuel or if it runs off a natural gas. Let's say natural gas, you're blessed to have natural gas there and you got unlimited supply. You could run this sucker day and night until the power comes back on. You could charge your electric car with that, all right? conceptually that is correct i'm not gonna so or you have a little little backup generator like i have not a standby of a brig and stratton 10,000 watts all right i have a manual transfer switch so you could you could charge it off of that that's what you're saying okay fo hot rod you're full of it don't worry about it right i'll charge it off of that the power grid goes down okay now i did a show maybe a year ago year and a half ago about backup generators and everything and there's something, and this this happens with the power grid also, because now I'm going to go back to what I'm saying about the West Coast being under severe drought and the hydroelectric plants coming down, could be you know shutting off, and then the rest of the 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 fossil fueled uh, and and well maybe some hydroelectric like up in Niagara Falls or whatever, but the the but the the rest of the country's power plants are going to have to supply those areas now but there is something called the thd and it's very important it's called total harmonic distortion and i did a show about this with backup generators and one of the reasons why i bought my backup generator the briggs and stratton was that in theory it was supposed to have the one of the lowest thds or a very low thd and the thing is that some of you some of you may look at or be aware of or have what they call an inverter generator and there's some standby units that are inverter generators because a backup generator we call it a generator but it actually has an alternator an alternator makes ac current a generator produces dc current so my briggs and stratton produces ac which is what the house current is ac and according to 
according to what I've been able to glean through my research, that the power from JCPNL, Jersey Central Power and Light, the power coming into my house, suppose JCPNL claims that the THD total harmonic distortion is less than five percent, and maybe two percent, maybe four point nine. Who the heck knows? But from what I understand, is that the THD varies, but there's a cap on it that they're not going to send power out into the grid that's more than five percent THD. Supposedly, right? Just like when you go to the pump, it's supposed to be this octane or this cetane level. But now I'm trying to connect this all together that we have the power, right? power company is going to be supplying people in california and nevada and all place because of the drought so it's very possible that the thd is going to go above that now getting it back to inverter generators what an inverter generator does so if you buy one of those they have big inverter generators also you buy an inverter generator it produces ac it converts it to dc and then puts it back to AC. And this conversion process, that's like cleaning grain. Like it's all this combine headed, the grain comes out very clean. All right. So that's like cleaning grain. So by going from AC to DC back to AC, it's able to scrub, I'll use the term scrub, and clean up the signal to minimize the THD. So if you have, let's say, a business with a lot of computers in it or what have you, you're going to want to have some sort of inverter, whether it's part of your generator or coming into your where your main power line comes in because you want what they call very clean electricity that it doesn't have this distortion it's called total harmonic distortion and you need to look at the signal on an oscilloscope to be able to reach the CTHD all right so total harmonic distortion so when I bought my generator Briggs and Stratton claimed that it was five percent no more than 5% THD. And say, well, that's what JC and P&L is sending me. So in theory, that should be that should be fine. I'm not going to hurt my refrigerator. I'm not going to hurt my, my well pump. I'm not going to hurt anything with dirty electricity. Dirty electricity would be the same thing of thinking about dirty fuel diesel with water in it gasoline with water in it with with sludge in it what have you i don't mean dirty physical dirt uncombustibles so that's basically what's happening with with thd so now why am i bringing so let me just finish this up and say to you well hey hot rod why didn't you buy an inverter generator i didn't want to buy an inverter generator for the simple reason being well not because there's so much more money but they're more complex because within that inverter generator all right you are uh, they either have a schmidt trigger or they have some sort of circuitry in there that's so you're taking it you ac you're making ac you're converting it to dc you're chopping so you're chopping that's that that sine wave all right and and uh and, and you you're flattening it out and then you're converting it back to ac so it could go into the house all right then again like i always say kiss keep it simple stupid if i want that generator to work when i have no power all right and i could you could have and i started to say about it and i said it a couple of minutes back 10 minutes ago about electronics so you're going to buy this inverted generator it's got some kind of 
diode in there or a transistor or something on a circuit board and they bought the cheapest one from china all right which drifts like hell so now the motor gets hot sends heat up there it's running and now it's drift uh, or, or even if it doesn't drift it's so complex and i make the analogy to a power window or a crank window i never fixed a crank window in my whole career in my life i've said this before on the show power windows i fixed a lot of them ultimately the glass just goes up and down right but i never fixed a crank window in my life so that's why i didn't buy an inverted generator but what i'm concerned with is that and i tried to do some research on this prior to doing this show do my due diligence nobody wants to talk about how you're in the house that you spend two thousand dollars for a charging station to your ev is going to work with dirty electricity that got dosed with a lot of thd or got or has a lot of thd and the reason why i'm talking about this is because the level of thd will probably go up because of the demand put on the other power plants to make up for the lack of hydroelectric out west so now years ago the first generation i had two chevy volts here which were not electric vehicles they were almost like a locomotive but you could run them off the battery that they have a built-in charger just like an ev does all right you could plug it into 110 volts it wouldn't take my voltage there was like a bunch of lights on the dashboard and it wouldn't take it because it was dirty so now the thing basically is you could do everything right and you could have your power company or rural areas you live out in the country right you something happens something goes down and then you're not going to know whether the t you're going to know that the thd i'm not laughing the thd went high when you when you have a power surge or power outage or and you're running something all right and all of a sudden after the electricity is restored you're smart tv craps out pardon my language or your refrigerator dies or your well pump dies or your high-tech heating system dies because or your computer dies because they're all very very sensitive to total harmonic distortion and now you talk to anyone and i'm not saying there's no one out there but you talk to anyone and the thing is that they come and they say to you there's nothing you go do do an internet search for thd and it's and it comes up and says do you want the t-h-e instead of t-h-d and then do total harmonic distortion all right and what you'll find is that as you that they do claim that some of these charging stations these supercharging stations that really force feed the voltage into the battery and the electric vehicles whether it's a super station or, or you have a high charging rate that they do have a high level of thd and will start to degrade the battery all right so the thing basically is is that if you put this all together all right where are we going as a society with this we're going nowhere now the interesting thing is that there's the people in agriculture which i've always said this on this show there's nothing new in ag i mean yes as far as agronomy is concerned but as far as tractors are concerned i'm not talking about a combine header or 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 a feeder house design but i'm talking about the components of the engine the drive line the that 
the propel the propulsion unit of a, a farm equipment everything same thing with these everything that they yeah, that they have today we had 40 years ago with cars i mean the car industry is so far ahead with engine management controls turbocharger controls fuel delivery controls everything i mean there's no there's nothing there's nothing nothing new under the sun here all right, so we had that 40 years ago. Like I said, a, a 1987 Corvette had more computing power in it than the 2022 Combine as far as the engine management system is concerned. All right, so there's nothing new here. But now you're getting all of these, I shouldn't say all of this, there's so many of these startups in agriculture, they want to have an electric tractor. Why in God's name would I want an electric tractor? Not It's not bad enough that they want autonomy, which you know I don't... It's not that I don't believe in autonomy, not that I don't believe that you can't... I did shows on this that you can't get it to work. I'm not saying that whatsoever. You can go on the internet and see plenty of autonomous tractors going up and down the field. It's the level of complexity, and when things go wrong, what happens? So why in God's name would I want an electric tractor for I would probably want an electric tractor less than I'd want an electric car. But why would I want an electric Because all the things that I said to you about the electric car. So now you want to go plant and you say, well, the power grid went down. I can't charge my battery. All right, fine. All right. But I have my backup generator, but it's got a high level of THD in my logic circuit. In my, because you have to remember, all of this stuff is controlled by... A logic board and it's like a mini processor these 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 charging units for these electric vehicles because i mean they're smart chargers really smart i don't know they're smart but they have algorithms but it's not it's you know it's it's, it's not like an old schumacher battery charger that you're putting on a 12 volt battery to jump start it all right so i mean there's a lot of complexity in it there's algorithms in there they're looking at things i mean the battery the battery temperature the vehicle main is concerned with the battery temperature when you're charging because when you're pushing a lot of current through something you build there's a lot of i mean it's and and ultimately you're going from a to b whether that a to b is to go to work to go to town to go visit grandma to go to the supermarket or to go across the field and put a crop in the ground all right you're still going a to b your a to b may be ten thousand acres and somebody else a to me a to b may be going from the farm or from living in town to the supermarket all right but it's still a to b all right and the thing is that we're adding all this complexity for what and then coming full circle here where is the power going to come from and then what about the dirtiness of creating these batteries the the environmental impact of the mining of manufacturing these batteries right and then what do we do with them afterwards and then to produce all this electricity to power these vehicles where are we going with this this is not this is not clean energy if you really wanted clean energy you could talk to i would say talk to me like i'm some kind of big kahuna but you could there's a lot of better ways to make clean energy than this and it's it, with an internal combustion engine diesel engine high density fuel or i've said this all along follow the theme of the locomotive 
where you have a you have an internal combustion engine running a generator you can make the internal combustion engine extremely efficient because it's a steady state rpm you don't need a 500 cubic inch engine to run this generator and then you run it off of like a locomotive and then you run that power but a locomotive doesn't have batteries it runs it right off the gen set so the thing is that if you do that now we got something because we have the benefit of and most a lot of cruise ships that i own i mean all the new cruise ships they don't run the, the the diesel engine is not running the propellers anymore diesel engines running a generator electric motors are running so like if you have a seed meter in a plant you have electric seed meter right it's not a ground drive system that electric motor is running it so that's actually and i'm going to use the word hybrid even though that's not what it's meant to be when you talk about vehicles hybrid but i've always felt that the locomotive style design was really the best of both worlds you had the smaller optimized internal combustion engine running a gen set but i mean that's if you insist upon electric to me the window is going up and down i'm going from a to b i think this is an absolute nightmare i actually think it's going to put companies out of business i sold my ford stock i love ford motor company love their products love sold my ford stock i got out of it because i think this is going to bury everybody and all we need to do is have something happen to the power grid all right some some hacker comes in and shuts down the power grid so you could say well that could happen right now it can be you lose your refrigerator you lose this the gas station can't pump fuel i'm not going to deny that but the fact of the matter is that if you could put fuel i could get a hand crank pump and pump diesel fuel out of a tank or gasoline out of a tank and get it enough in my tank to run i can't do that with an ev so the thing is that am i against the technology i'm against the technology being forced down our throat all right because i feel that it's being forced down our throat because there is an agenda and whatever this agenda is it's not good for america it's not good for you it's not good for me all right and the thing is that there's something fishy going on here and that's not my style to say that but there is no practical engineering sense when you look at this all collectively and i know all the things that i brought up today i'm not the smartest bulb in a box that other people have thought maybe they didn't put it together on one podcast and you thought yourself but the thing is that when you do all of this and put it all together and you say to yourself why are we doing this why are we abandoning the internal combustion engine where is all this and and even like i said even if you got electricity out the yin yang or all the other things that i said to you when you got to take somebody to the hospital all right that damn battery in your tesla is almost dead and the hospital is 50 miles away and you got 20 miles of range you better have and you know the other thing i wanted to bring up also which talk about the backup vehicle you know new jersey has the highest car insurance rates in the country you know i mean i'm paying what the heck are we paying we have my wife's escape which is a 2014 my fiesta which is a 2013 my ranger which is a 2002 and my wife's old zx2 that she locked the keys in the car which is a 99 and i think i'm paying 25 and we have nobody else in the house no accidents no tickets i'm paying 2500 a year to insure those vehicles and the part that gets me is there's only two drivers we got four vehicles we can't be driving we can't be driving four of them at a time the most that could be on the road is two 
But you know, there's people in New Jersey, you have a high-end car, they're paying, for, I mean, I mean a high-end, you have a, a F-150 limited pickup truck, $80,000, you're paying $4,000 a year to insure it because you got one ticket. You got a 30, you got 42 in the 35 zone. So, you know, that comes into play also. So, well, you have to have a backup internal combustion vehicle. Well, now I got to insure this vehicle. I got to put license plates on. I got to maintain it. I don't know. I just think that this math here doesn't work. There's too many problems, too much complexity, and I want the window to go up and down with a crank, and I see no intrinsic value other than the novelty of saying, and people say, oh, I have clean energy. I don't have to go to the gas station. That's like a guy who says that, you know, he doesn't realize that the steak he's eating was a cow or the lamb that he's eating was a, you know, was a, was, was a sheep or the veal he's eating was a baby calf. All right, so you, he's going to be so holy and say, "Well, you know, oh, oh yeah, we we, we got to do this," and uh, well, I'm clean and I don't have the blood on my hands. Yeah, he didn't have the blood on his hands, but he's still eating it, and that's exactly what I feel is happening with these electric vehicles. That there's something going on here, and I'm thank you for entertaining me today with this, with my rant and my rave. And I want you to know that the Hot Rod Farmers poem for you, the American farmer and rancher, and my beloved, beloved America. But please. Think twice before you jump in the water to buy an electric. It's a lot deeper. You better have your life preserver on. Bye-bye. Catch you next week.